Well, so a thrill of hope, right? And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to share with you today. Um, we're going to read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. All right? So uh, it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. And it says that, look, the days are coming, and this is the Lord's declaration, when I will fulfill the good promise that I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to sprout up for David. And it says, and Jerusalem will, will dwell securely, and this is what he shall be named. The Lord is our righteousness. And so in the countdown to Christmas has begun, and as many call it, we are in this Advent season, a season of of anticipation counting down to a day uh, that we have designated as Christmas where we celebrate the coming of Jesus, the child born, the son given to us. And many have waited for this coming time. And many have waited and, and there's been many prophecies and we now being on the other side of Jesus's life here on earth await his return to finally redeem and renew our world. And so we live in the now, and we live in the not yet, right? And so it's this in-between time, this tension that we find ourselves in. Uh, God has come in the person of Jesus. The, the child has, has been born. The, he gave his life as a ransom for many. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He announced the, the arrival of the kingdom of God and invited humans to partner in the advancement of his kingdom, this is exciting. This is worth celebrating. This is our hope. But our world is still broken. Many of us still find ourselves in pain. God has come, but there's still hurt that we face. We face challenges individually. We face challenges as a community, we face challenges corporately as humanity. And so just as many hoped for the coming Messiah, Jesus, we hope for his return. And so a thrill of hope. Do you view hope as a thrill? Love the song, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. Anybody in a spot in life where you just need a new and glorious morning to break forth, some hope to come in? So what is this thrill of hope, and is it something that I can feel? We know uh, what hope can feel like oftentimes, uh, but most of us would probably have a hard time describing it. Maybe you've hoped for things like meeting a group of friends who make you feel like you belong and you are accepted by. Uh, maybe you hoped or have hoped at different times that your marriage will work out. Maybe you hope that you'll finally get out of debt. Maybe you have hope for a family member to get better uh, as they face serious health challenges. Maybe you hope for the world to look different than how it looks right now. We're told that it's good to have hope. 
but it's a tricky word. Is there a difference between wishing and hoping? What are the things we can hope for? Like, can I hope to win the lottery? Or do I just have to hope that world hunger is ended, right? So what is the spectrum of things I can hope for? Some of you may have a lot going on right now, so it's tough to think about the future and things that you are hoping for later. Maybe the idea of hope makes you feel sad because it's just a reminder of all the things in your life that aren't quite going the way they should be. Maybe hope seems silly because what's the point in hoping for something if the chances are pretty good that you're just going to be disappointed. It's not worth getting your hopes up only to be let down again. Maybe hope seems pointless because, you know, if you think about it, if God is in control and he's God, he's just going to do what he wants to anyways. We feel like our hope isn't going to change anything. Maybe hope feels naive or it's for the gullible people, right? You feel like focusing so much on what may or may not happen in the future means we aren't paying enough attention to what's happening right in front of us. I don't have time for hope. I've got too much going on right now, right here in my life. No matter what your feelings are on the idea of hope, the question is why do we have it? Why is hope even a thing? Why does it matter? And how did this word get to be so related to Christmas? This season of waiting and anticipating and celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus. We could define hope a lot of different ways, but we'll do it this way. Hope is the true belief that your future can be better than your now and you have a role to play in it. We talked about this Wednesday night uh, with our students to get this idea of hope inside of us that we can look to the future and believe that things can get better, but there's a role that we have to play in this process. The thing that makes hope different from wishing is that hope asks something of us. Have you ever made a birthday wish? Maybe you were a kid at one time and and you wished real hard for that Nintendo, right? You wished really hard for that new bicycle. You wished so hard, you know, for, for this toy or for whatever it may be. And, and maybe you were a kid and, and, and you remember standing over those candles. And as you blew out those candles, you made that wish that it would come true. And, and you would open up the present that you have been waiting for. When you make a wish, that's literally all you have to do is make it then you just wait and see what happens. But hope is different. Hope isn't about sitting around and waiting for something to happen because hope is wanting something to happen and then participating in the process. It's why hope can be so scary because it means that we have to get involved. It's active. It's something that can change you and maybe even inspire you to act. And so next week, we'll have a message about having hope in the present, and the week after that, we'll have a message about hoping for the future. But today, we want to be encouraged and build our foundation by looking to hope, by looking to the past. And so next week's present, and the next week after that is future. But today, we're looking to grab a hold of hope by looking to the past. 
The hope we will need in the present and have for the future is rooted in the past. As we find ourselves in broken places, there is this thrilling story of hope to be found as we look to the past. The story of Jesus is a story that should pierce and penetrate our hearts with a desire and a belief that the broken parts of ourselves and of our world will be redeemed, will be restored, and will be renewed. The hope we discuss, the hope that we profess, profess the hope that we cling to is not some shiny new object. It's not some trendy new fad. It's not just some viral video here today, gone tomorrow. It's not something cooked up in a lab. It isn't commercial, it can't be sold, it can't be purchased, it isn't plastic or fake. The hope that we seek to lay hold of is ancient. It's divine. It's fragile and precious and resilient and audacious. It's forged by fire. It's deep and intimate. This hope that we have is alive then, now, and forever. The hope we have is a living hope. To find our hope in our present and see our hope for the future, we're going to have to look backwards towards hope to where hope has been, to where hope has been working, to where hope has been established already. So I wanna look at a book in the Bible called Jeremiah, named after a prophet with the same name. A prophet was someone whose job was to hear from God back in, in the day and, and pass those messages to God's people. And prophets were usually around when it was obvious that God had something that his people needed to hear. And so sometimes those messages from God were like, hey guys, you're kind of making a mess of things. You're kind of messing up right now. And I suggest that you get it together, all right? We gotta get this together. And there were other times where God spoke through the prophets to his people and said, hey listen, no matter how bad your behavior is, and it's pretty bad, my love for you won't ever run out. At that time, Jeremiah was a prophet the kingdom of Israel was divided into two parts. There was the northern kingdom named Israel and then there was the southern kingdom named Judah and Jeremiah was a prophet of Judah, the southern kingdom. During Jeremiah's time, things weren't um, great for the people in his kingdom. The city of Jerusalem had been captured uh, by the Babylonian empire and many of the people were taken into exile to live in Babylon. And it was a very difficult time for the people of Judah. They felt stuck, and even more than that, they felt hopeless. And in the midst of that, Jeremiah speaks up. And here's what he has to say. He says, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will fulfill the good promise that I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah, in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to sprout up for David and he will administer justice and righteousness in those days Judah will be saved and it goes on to say and Jerusalem will dwell securely and this is what she shall be named the Lord is our righteousness and so when he said from David's line the David he's talking about was David, the most famous king Israel had ever had, and he ruled when the kingdoms were united together. 
And so, uh, the, not like they were, not how they were divided right then, right? So this was a time when David ruled that the kingdoms were united together. And so, um, basically, Jeremiah is saying, don't give up hope. There will be a time when we'll be back home. We won't be here forever. You are being held captive by a foreign empire, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't believe God. There will be a time when an even better king will come from a family here and rule like a good and righteous king. In other words, Jeremiah is saying that it will be the start to better things. It feels bad now, but it won't be this way forever. And I want to say to you today, it may feel bad now, but it won't be this way forever. When they first arrived in Babylon as captives, there had been other people who said, cheer up, it's not that bad. We'll be out of here soon. But here's what Jeremiah had to say. Those people were false prophets. They told people only wanted what they wanted to hear, even though it wasn't the truth. The truth was, They'd be in Babylon for a very, very long time. So long, in fact, that Jeremiah basically told them to go ahead and get comfy where they're at. That in the long run, ultimately, in the distant future, they'd get out. But for now, this is where they would be. So how did these people at this time know who to listen to? Who did they know? Did, how did they choose? How did they figure out how to choose which message do we listen to that we're going to get out soon or that we're actually going to be here for a while, but it's actually going to be made okay later on down the road? It would have been easy to just go with the message that said that they would leave sooner. That was the better news after all. And we can be tempted today to fall for false messages of hope that are empty and they lack foundation in God, but they sure do sound nice and enticing, right? This is how we begin to unfortunately hope in the wrong things. And I just want to set the record straight for us here today that it's not a political party. It's not the right career path. It's not the right relationships. It's not all the money in the world that or anything else trying to sell us a false hope. We cling to the rock that is higher, the rock of ages. We have set our hope on a king, on a God that is higher than our ways, who knows vastly more than we could ever know and ever understand. So what made Jeremiah's message trustworthy? Jeremiah was speaking for God. That's what made his message something that people could put their hope in. It wasn't wishful thinking. It was hope-filled believing because of the who the message was coming from, a God that they could count on. In other words, the thing that makes hope possible isn't how badly we want it or how positive the outcome is that we're hoping for. The thing that made hope possible was the who behind the hope. The people of Judah could trust the message from Jeremiah because it was a message from God that they trusted. They knew God's character. They believed God was looking out for them. They knew that they could count on God's goodness to be real even when their circumstances were very far from being good. 
it would be at this time that they would remember that this was the God who spoke to Noah to build an ark. This was the same God who spoke to Abraham and made him a father of many nations and, co- and made covenant with him. That this was the God who spoke to Moses through a burning bush and led him to lead the Israelites out of captivity from Egypt. That this was the God who parted the Red Sea for the Israelites to escape. That this is the God who would leave them with a fire by night and a cloud by day and feed them with fresh manna each and every single day and ultimately lead them and guide them and stay faithful to them to lead them into the promised land. That this is the God who time and time again, despite the Israelites' unfaithfulness, proved to be a faithful God who kept covenant with his people. He spoke through prophets and gave hope of a coming Savior to come to our world, a suffering Savior, a righteous King from the line of David. This would come to be the God who while in exile, while in captivity under Babylonian empire, would be with Daniel as he's thrown in the lion's den. That when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fiery furnace, there was another in the fire. And even after it felt like God had left them alone because of 400 years of silence that we see in Scripture, all of a sudden the righteous branch that Jeremiah had prophesied to Israel Israel was born to the world. Unto us a child was born. Unto us a son given. God steps down from heaven and enters humanity. All the prophecy, the anticipation, the waiting fulfilled in the birth of a baby. What an image of hope, imagining Mary, a teenage mother, holding her precious child. What hope springs forth from the birth of a child. It's a beautiful thing to hold a child, for myself as a father, to hold my child and to just be overwhelmed by the responsibility of it, by by the scariness of it all. Am I prepared for this? But the excitement of the journey to come, it reminds me that receiving hope can be a bit daunting. It can be a bit overwhelming. And choosing to receive hope can require a bit of some riskiness, but it comes with just such joy and beauty. And it may be fragile, but it's something to hold dearly and tightly to. So God steps down into humanity. And this baby, this baby is not, it's born in a small town, not in in no big city like Atlanta or even Savannah, or even Brunswick. No, this, this baby's born in a town like Nahana, right? Some of y'all know. In a town called Bethlehem, where they were traveling, and there wasn't no room at the Motel 8. They had to find accommodations out in a barn to make sure that we knew that hope is not limited by my circumstances. That hope isn't limited by what I have, the material things I have in my life. That hope is bigger than those things. And the first people to meet this child and experience hope in the flesh, that it's not the important, it wasn't the popular, 
It wasn't the elite, it was the ordinary shepherds. The ones who just kind of were on the outskirts of town. The guys who were kind of dirty, who were kind of, you know, outcast a little bit from society. To make sure that we all know that hope isn't reserved for the in crowd. That hope isn't just reserved for the 1% or for the famous. No, hope is made available to the ordinary, everyday folks. Do I got any ordinary, everyday folks in the house today? It's available to those that seek it out like those magi did, those three wise men who traveled for months to meet this baby that was born, who they, know, they knew to be a foretold king. But there would be those who would seek to destroy this hope. A king named Herod would order all the boys under two years old to be killed, and this serves as a reminder that the enemy is always looking to steal to kill and to destroy our hope. And just like Mary and Joseph listened to God and fled to protect Jesus, we must protect our hope. This hope named Jesus would grow in wisdom and stature and would mature, reminding us to cultivate our hope, to create an environment where hope can grow. Hope began to develop friendships. Hope developed community to remind us that hope is best experienced, it's best grown, it's best received, it's best cultivated in community with others. Hope before miracles, because hope is a miracle. And Jesus loved those and served those who he came in contact with so that we could be reminded that our hope isn't just for ourselves or for our group, it must be shared with those around us, those on the outside, those that are broken, those that are marginalized. Hope extends to all. There ultimately came a time where hope was betrayed and put to death because to those at that time, this hope, this person, Jesus, had become dangerous in their eyes and Jesus had disrupted the culture and this caused backlash from those in authority. But hope would be willingly beaten, it would be bloodied, mocked, and nailed to a cross to die. And in this moment, it seemed as though hope had been lost. Some scattered, but there were those who cling tighter to this hope. And it was a cold Saturday, and it was a lonely Saturday to serve as a reminder that there's going to be those times in our lives where it feels like we're alone, where we have our Saturday moment where hope has been put to death. What is going to come? Can this be redeemed? Can resurrection come? This reminds us that in the waiting in the in-between, to be patient with God, to trust his plan, to cling to his ways, to not give up. And so, as those beautiful women came and went to the tomb because they were gonna change Jesus' bandages, the tomb was empty. Because hope was alive. Because hope shook off the bondages that had held it back for a moment. Because hope had defeated death, hell, and the grave. While hope seemed lost, hope was now found. 
hope was made living. Our living hope, Jesus, for all eternity, the King of kings, the Lord of all. He truly was the Messiah. Jesus was the hope prophesied about to the Israelites. Jesus, our Savior, our King, our Lord, the only true hope that was birthed into a world filled with sin, desperate for a redemption. And in a weary state, there was rejoicing as they begin to tell that hope is alive. Hope isn't dead. And there were some that said, I'm just not sure. I got to see it for myself. I've got to see the wounds. I've got to see the scars to let us know that it's okay if hope feels a little bit too much and it feels like I don't know and and maybe you're doubting that that I can really hope this shows us and stories like Thomas show us that we too can come with our reservation because hope is patient with us and hope will open up its hands to us to see what was done for us There was a new morning that had come. And in the book of Lamentations, it says, Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. It's great to have a book in the Bible called Lamentations all about complaining, right? For some of you, the Christmas season isn't about joy. Holidays are magnifying glasses. They can magnify the good, but they also magnify the bad. Maybe you've become depressed. Maybe there's an anxiousness in this season. And it just grabs you in your heart. So we go on and read... In this book of complaining, yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we don't perish. Because his mercies, they never end. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I say the Lord, he's my portion. And therefore, therefore, I choose to put my, my hope in him. What a thrill of hope. When you have hope in the one making the promise, you can have hope in the promise itself. And that's what the people of Judah were doing. The truth is God's promises are all over scripture and we don't just trust them because they sound good or they sound nice or sound like something we want to be true. We don't trust these promises because of wishful thinking. We trust these promises because of the one making them. God is trustworthy. We can put our hope in him and we can count on God. And that's important for us to keep in mind because that means we can take God's promises seriously. And really believes them. That God promises to guide us. He promises to love us no matter what. He promises to be faithful to us. He promises wisdom. He promises us peace. He promises that we belong to him. And he is our heavenly father. 
Our hope is rooted in Jesus. Hebrews chapter, 13, chapter 6 verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, I will indeed bless you and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the, problem, the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show this unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise. He guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary and behind the curtain. Jesus is the object of our hope. So as we seek to hope in the present and we seek to hope for the future, it all begins as we look to the past. Christmas is important because it reminds us to remember God was faithful to his promise that hope became real in Jesus. First Peter chapter 1 Verse 3 through 9, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. It's kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be to be revealed in the last time. And it says you rejoice in this even though now for a short time if if necessary you suffer grief and various trials so that the proven character of your faith more valuable than gold which through perish though perishable and refined by fire may result in praise, glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So what would it look like to believe in God's promises? We're in this journey. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to, Talk about this. We're going to try to have hope in the present. And we're going to seek to hope for the future. But what would it look like to have hope not only during this Christmas season but beyond it? And what does it look like in real time and in real life? And I just want us to ask some questions. Who or what has your hope? Are you more hopeful for a specific outcome? Or is your hope in God? And what would it look like for you to hope in God instead? Remember, wishing is simply wanting something to happen, but hope asks for our participation. It asks us to be a part of the process. Hoping in God means actively trusting in who God is and what God says. We don't just pick things that we want to happen and treat God like a genie. Hope, we hope in a real promise and in a real God and this is possible when we know God and we know what God promises. The people of Judah in exile in Babylon, they hoped in God because they knew that God could be trusted. 
Eventually, Jesus was born, but it took some time. He was the leader who Jeremiah told the people about. And even though it took longer than what they expected, and even though Jesus showed up in a different way than they had expected, they knew that they could trust because of who God had showed himself to be in the past. In the same way, we can trust God because of what we know to be true about God in the person of Jesus. Jesus' arrival changed everything. Jesus' arriving was hope fulfilled. And that means that because of Jesus, there is always hope no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter how difficult life may be, hope is available to us in the person of Jesus. And at this time, I want to invite my friend David to come join me on stage because I want to give a a tangible example of what hope can look like and what it can look like to share it with others and an invitation that's on the table today. I had an incredible conversation uh, with Tony Bass this week and we were talking about hope and, uh, and he reminded me that sometimes hoping can be very, very difficult for people depending upon their situations and circumstances. And so we did this analogy Wednesday night at youth, and so um, I've got a candle, and David, if you'll, if you'll um, go ahead and, and produce some hope real quick. So we've got hope right here. Here's my hope. Shining bright for all to see, and uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real good, David. Because I have hope, and I'm trusted in God's promises, and, and I'm able to have hope. And this is a good thing, and this is great, but there are people and there are times where hoping is a bit difficult. And so what do we do? What is our response to that? And, and what should someone who is without hope, like David is right now, and what should our response be for those who have hope, like myself? Well, this Christmas season, I want us to be reminded that we share hope with each other. And so my hope becomes David's hope. And so if you're here this morning and hoping has just gotten too hard, you've, tr- you've trusted too many times, you've been let down too many times, too much disappointment, the invitation on the table today and throughout this Christmas season, this series that we're in, is to allow others, allow us to hope for you. Do you need someone to hope for you today? We're here. We're here to hope for you. Because there's going to come a time where my hope goes out. And Monday of this past week, my hope went out for a moment. But thankfully, my wife hoped for me. And she encouraged me. And I couldn't see it myself, but because of her hope, it became hope for me. And this is what we get to do. We get to hope for people. And if you're without hope and you find it extremely difficult to do on your own, you're in the right place. Thank you, David. So will you stand with me?
So as we close the service today, we're going to be available up here. And I'm going to be here, and my dad's going to be here, and there's going to be others. And I'm going to speak a blessing, and, and we're going to be dismissed, and some people um, will, will fellowship and congregate, and some people will head to lunch, and, and all of this is great, and all of that is amazing. But for those of you who feel the heaviness of the season, that you feel like you are the book of Lamentations, and there is that hopelessness, and it doesn't feel like a thrill of hope. It feels like hope is just outside of your grasp. As we end, and as music comes on in the house, and they're scurrying every which way, I would ask you to just make a brave step to come forward and let us pray with you and to let us hope for you today to not walk through this Christmas season alone, but let your church family, this is why we exist. The church is a counterformative community. We exist, and it's why it is so important now as it has ever been. And we, you, we are facing perilous times, but this is not the first time in humanity's history, we can look to the Bible and see how God has been faithful. And so what we must do is continue to cling to the hope that has always been, the hope that is now, and the hope that will always be. It's, it's up to us to extend this hope. To, I'm not going to hold my hope. I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to share it with those around me. And we're going to keep hoping for each other until we can all hope together. And so... I would invite you that as we dismiss today to come and to be prayed for, to be prayed with, and to be encouraged, and to at least have somebody look you in the eye and say, I'm hoping for you, because I need it. And I'm preaching this message as a benefit to you, but I'm up here preaching this message because it's in my heart, and it's what I need. So please, do not see me as someone communicating these things disconnected from the message. I'm, I'm fighting to live the message each and every single day myself. But I'm trying to be honest. And I'm trying to be open. So I ask us all to do the same. And let God work. Amen. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here today. Jesus, we thank you that we can look to the past and see you working. That we can cling to a hope that is greater, stronger, higher than what's been made available to us here on this earth. Than what can be made by human hands. God, there's a hope that is supernatural. And so, God, I'm asking for this hope to break forth in this community called Christian Renewal Church. I'm asking for this hope to break forth in this community called Glen County. I'm asking for this hope to break forth in this nation called the United States of America. God, I'm asking for this hope to break forth in our world today, that people would come into the revelation and the understanding that there is a hope for the future, that you are coming to make all things new, God, that you have sent your son Jesus as the price for our sin to make us whole, to teach us a better way, and that in time all things will be made new and that all will be made right, and we look to that hope, God.
and we persevere and we press on and we're not giving up God, but we're banding together arm in arm, helping one another each and every day, encouraging each other. God, I pray for those who feel outside of the bounds of hope. Lord, I pray that they would know that hope reaches out to them, stretches out to the uttermost parts of their darkest, of the darkest parts of their heart, Father God, the places that just feel like nothing can get to and nothing can touch God. Your light shines in those places. Jesus, we love you, we celebrate you, and we thank you. And we thank you for moving in hearts in this place today. And ask that you all would open up your hands to receive today a blessing. I pray the Lord would bless you and keep you. I pray the Lord would be gracious unto you. That God would cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. That God would lift up the light of his countenance on you. And that he would give you peace in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. amen. We're available up here for prayer. God bless you.